Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Right at the beginning of our program, I want to call your attention to two events for two very particular reasons. One of those we've talked about on a program before, and we will continue to talk about it because it's very worthwhile. It is the annual pilgrimage. In fact, it's the 79th annual pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, August 31st to September 1st. Now, that's Friday to Sunday at Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Great gathering of Catholics, mostly, of course, Eastern Catholics, as it's a shrine. Basically, it's the mother house of the Sisters of St. Basil. There's a shrine altars outside all over the beautiful grounds. It's a place of pilgrimage, a place of retreat. It's a marvelous, beautiful, beautiful place. And we hold this incredible retreat. Actually, it's a pilgrimage every year during the Labor Day weekend. It's been going on, as I mentioned, this is the 79th year, hosted by the Sisters of St. Basil. Now, to find out more about that, right off, I'll give you the website, sistersofstbasil.org, sistersofstbasil.org. And again, that's the Labor Day weekend, really, is what it is, August 31st to September 1st. Friday to Sunday, at Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Pilgrimage is very much a part of the spirituality of the Eastern churches. So if you want to get kind of an immersion in the Eastern spirituality, but also into the living church, our church in America, my church. In other words, it's the Athenian Byzantine Catholic Church. See, in the Byzantine world, in other words, the Byzantine rite, think of it as a kind of an umbrella, an umbrella term. And underneath that umbrella are different jurisdictions, which basically are defined according to their ethnic origin. So my particular jurisdiction of the Byzantine Rite is called the Ruthenian jurisdiction. There's others such as Ukrainian, Belarusian, and so on. But the Ruthenians hold this wonderful pilgrimage on Mount St. Macrina every year during Labor Day weekend. And there's things for children, great program for teens. It's a beautiful setting. There's confessions heard all the time. They have outdoor services. They have some indoor services. They have anointing of the sick. It's just candlelight processions, which are just gorgeous. They wrap all the way through the grounds there. They have those hilly grounds there. So it's quite a sight. It's really spectacular at night to see all these pilgrims holding these candles and the sound of the chanting lofting through the... It's like like a, almost like a wooded area, really. It's sort of ensconced in kind of a country type of atmosphere. And you see that candlelight procession to hear that chanting. It's really, really quite moving. Very, very spiritual, very contemplative, very meditative. So again, consider it. I'll be there and I hope to see you there. It's a good immersion into Eastern Christian spirituality and into the reality of our church itself. Meet a lot of great people there and I hope to meet you and you'll meet me. 
The second event is one in which I mention to you with a great sense of humility and honor. It's the Catholic Psychologist Association Conference. It's called Restoring the Beauty of the Human Person, Psychological Healing Through Light of Christ. It's November 7th to the 9th, 2013, in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, Catholic Psychotherapy Association's conference. The reason why I am saying this with great humility and honor is because I was asked to give the keynote address at this conference. And the reason I bring this up is because it's germane to our program, to the mission of this program, Light of the East, which is to communicate the riches of the church, East and West, but primarily, of course, the riches of the Eastern Church. And the fact that I was asked to speak at this is a witness to the riches of the Eastern Church. And here's why. And I'll read the literature from this conference again. And anyone, it's open to anybody, especially if you're in the healing professions, if you are a psychologist or maybe a teacher or social worker or whatever. But it's open to anyone, but especially those in the healing professions might be of, it might be of special interest to you. Again, the Catholic Psychotherapist Association Conference, November 7th to the 9th of this year, 2013, in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. Now, in their literature, it says here, by the end of this conference, the attendees should, and now listen carefully, discover the sacramental, Catholic, human, and liturgical worldview of the human person and human sexuality. For John Paul II's Theology of the Body provides a delivery system for this mystical and therefore most real view of the human person. Demonstrate how rediscovering the mystical view of the human person through decoding the theology of the body is the most integrated, comprehensive and authentic approach to healing persons and relationships in body, soul, and spirit. Show how the context for the mystical spousal view of the human person has all the while been woven through the fabric of the prayer, art, architecture, and liturgy of the church. Now, I'm wondering if you listen to this program for any length of time. I'm wondering if what I just read to you from the brochure for this conference sounded at least a little bit familiar. That's right. It mentions Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body, but not only that, it has in this literature, it has basically the message of this program. It's a lot of Eastern Christian spirituality, and that is why I was asked to speak. In other words, what Eastern Christian spirituality has to offer, especially in terms of its view of the human person, in other words, it's, it's what we call its theological anthropology, is something that Obviously, because I'm being asked to speak as a Byzantine Catholic priest, and from that perspective, is obviously something that seems to be answering a yearning, a yearning among healing professionals, such as will be gathered at this conference, a yearning of the human heart. In other words, the modern Western world needs something. And that particular something, in other words, is like a hole or like almost like a, you know, like when your body's deprived of some kind of nutrient. Maybe the doctor says to you, well, you need a little more vitamin C or vitamin D3 or something. Well, the nutrient, the particular thing that modern Western society needs is something which I firmly believe, which is why I have this program, Lay of the East, I firmly believe can be supplied particularly by the Eastern Catholic churches. And that is this particular sacramental liturgical worldview, this spirituality that is mystical. And that word mystical is oftentimes strange or maybe even intimidating to us in our modern Western culture. But in the Eastern churches, the mystical or mysticism was never really separated out from anything else. As G.K. Chesterton once said, the normal man is a mystic. We are mystic by nature. He, he knew that. They must have had some sense of Eastern Christian spirituality. 
But he was very sacramental in his thought, in his writing. That's G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorites. I'm sure you're familiar with him. He was a secular writer, but nonetheless, he touched upon something deeply spiritual, something that is very much the character of the Eastern churches. That is this mystical. Mystical means something revealed and something hidden all at the same time. And you live where the two intersect. You don't separate them out. You don't always try to define or understand. You know it's real. You know it's real. You know how sometimes the most real things in life are things you can't explain? And precisely because you can't explain them is why they're so real. That They go beyond words, but you know it. You just know it. You know it. You know it in your heart, deep inside, but you can't always explain it. Well, that's what mystery means. Mystery just doesn't mean, or the mystical just doesn't mean something kind of spooky or something we don't understand. It means something that's very real, which means we understand something about it. And yet, there's something we don't understand. And putting those two things together is where life is lived in the most integrated and healthy way. And modern Western culture has deviated from that. It's kind of a maybe the downside of the genius of the West. I always like to say, if you want to understand the fallen side of anything, whether it's the difficulties in the either longer the church or in society or in families or in us as, in, as individuals, Always follow the gift trail. You know how we say follow the money trail? I say follow the gift trail. In other words, what is the gift of the West? The gift of the West is a very penetrating kind of analytical, a lot of kind of emphasis on rational discovery of things, of contemplating and discovering God through human search and research and human action, human accomplishment. It's a very valid, obviously very valid and powerful theology and spirituality, one that is, is greatly needed today. It's one that can do great things like put out a universal catechism for the whole world. It's one that can organize a church of a billion people under one pope. It's an incredible genius for order, for clarity, for explaining things, and for bringing a message forward in very concise and precise ways. That's the genius of the West, especially in the church. But every crown also has its cross. In other words, it has its sort of downside. It's sort of like a little bit lacking side. And that's why the church is made up of this complementarity, East and West. And so the East can bring to the West what is lacking. And obviously, the fact that I was asked as a Byzantine priest to speak this conference of Catholic psychologists must mean that there is something that they thought needed to be said or needed to be heard. And that an Eastern priest like myself could deliver that particular piece of it. And so it testifies to the relevancy and the urgency of the Eastern spirituality. I often say that we have to remember that the Eastern churches are not a museum piece. We have a strong sense of our history and our patrimony and so on, but we're not a museum piece. We're not just a piece of history. We are very relevant for our time. There's sort of an enduring value, an enduring spirituality, a perennial value to and in fact, especially now, a very relevant value to Eastern Christian spirituality, just as there is to the West. We're going to talk more about this when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. 
saving Jews from the Holocaust in a wheelchair. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky was born in 1865 in western Ukraine. He was an aristocrat who gave up his wealth to become a monk. He then led the Greco-Catholic Church in Ukraine through two world wars. Exiled to Russia for three years during World War I, Sheptitsky never again enjoyed good health. From 1929 until his death in 1944, he worked from a wheelchair. From that wheelchair, Sheptitsky coordinated efforts to save hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. Next time, we'll tell you more about the Archbishop, who at the height of the Holocaust wrote, A lack of love is the source of every hardship and misery. Love is the very substance of all of God's revelation. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And again, drawing your attention to two events that are relevant to really the mission of this program. First of all, the 79th Annual Pilgrimage in honor of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, August 31st to September 1st. That's Labor Day weekend in Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. I'll be there. Hope to see you there. And you'll meet a lot of wonderful people. We sometimes jokingly call it Byzantine Catholic heaven. Everybody gets together like we got like the eschaton. You know, we all meet each other there once a year, renew friendships and relationships, and we pray together and just enjoy the beauty of those grounds and of the presence of God. The information can be found for this pilgrimage by going to sistersofstbasil.org, sistersofstbasil.org. The other event, of course, I was talking about, we left off just before the break, is the one in which I'll be the keynote speaker. Again, very humbled and honored to have been asked. It's the Catholic Psychotherapy Association Conference in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. It's called Restoring the Beauty of the Human Person, Psychological Healing Through the Light of Christ, November 7th to the 9th, 2013, Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And again, for information about that, anyone can come. You can go to their website, catholicpsychotherapy.org, catholicpsychotherapy.org. I mentioned before the break about the relevancy, and certainly the fact that I was asked to speak at this conference of psychologists shows that there is a kind of a ratification of a real relevancy of the Eastern spirituality, especially in this case in terms of healing. The title is called Restoring the Beauty of the Human Person. Now, that should also start to indicate something Eastern, certainly something Christian. Psychological healing through the light of Christ. Now, there's another hint, light. Beauty of the human person and light. And those are terms, those are spiritualities that are they're not just germane to the Eastern churches. They are in the whole church, East and West. In fact, the, the last pope, Benedict XVI, spoke much about this, very eloquently, by the way. But it is a particular emphasis of the East, this idea of light and of this very positive view of the human person. Our starting point in looking at the human person is that we are first and foremost made in the image and likeness of God, that that's the, the truth. Really, you need not say much of anything more beyond that. Everything else becomes kind of a compromise or, or basically a, a falsehood. We are made in the image likeness of Christ. 
we're basically like imperfect sort of similitudes of God. And our call in life is to grow, to divinize more and more into the image and likeness of God. In other words, to become, as we read about in the second letter of Peter in the Bible, to become partakers of the divine nature, to actually kind of be grafted on to the very nature of God himself. Not to become God, but to become that close to God as to become part of his nature, part of his very nature, like as if we're assumed into it or, or grafted onto it, while still remaining, obviously, fully human. So this is a very positive spirituality, and one that the Catholic Psychotherapy Association is inviting to be heard. So they're inviting me to deliver that message, that vision of the human person, because that's where real healing comes about. Healing comes about only really through Christ, the divine physician. Let's say you go to a doctor. He or she does well for you. And maybe he's an agnostic, or she's an atheist, or just non-committed or whatever, but they're a very good doctor. Well, unbeknownst to them, they're good because in so much as or to the degree in which they are doing Christ without maybe totally knowing about it. In other words, they might be treating you with a certain positive view of you as a person, a certain regard. They may have a certain regard for their profession, for the integrity of the seriousness of it. Maybe they're very holistic in the way they approach you. Whatever they're doing, they're doing something that has to do, when you really look at it, with Christ. They may not know about it, but that's what they're doing because Christ is the ultimate healer. And so the closer we conform our view, our approaches, and our lives to the image of Christ, the more healing we have, the more restoration we have. And so I think it is with providence, and certainly human wisdom inspired by providence, that the Catholic psychotherapists of America are conducting this conference with this theme, restoring the beauty of the human person, psychological healing through the light of Christ. And again, to find out more about it and attend, and I hope you do, again, it's for open anybody, catholicpsychotherapy.org. That's catholicpsychotherapy.org. Now, I'm not the only speaker there. (laughs) It's just that I'm making the point that in being asked to speak and to give the keynote, it is an affirmation of the relevancy, the power, the beauty of Eastern Christian spirituality, which, of course, is the mission of this program, Light of the East, and why I'm very happy that you are listening. We're in the midst of Another beautiful feast, beautiful in both churches, East and West, but certainly, of course, in a particular way in the Eastern Church. And that is the feast of the Dormition of the Mother of God. In other words, her falling asleep is what we call it, Dormition. Because in the Eastern Churches, whenever we refer to someone who has passed on into the next life, body and soul, because they were pure and holy like the Virgin Mary, we refer to that as like a, more like a falling asleep. And in fact, that's a very important phrase. A very important theological statement. It's not just something kind of nice or cute. Oh, she kind of fell asleep and woke up in heaven. The falling asleep is a way that we try to describe, in, in, well, in English terms, it's limited terms, but what we're trying to describe is the destiny that is realized by the mother of God because she was without sin, and of course by Christ, the destiny that they realized that is in store for all of us. It's just that we have to go through this as the great Catholic writer and thinker Peter Kreef says, this cosmic obscenity. The Virgin Mary didn't have to do that because she was without sin. But we have to pass through this cosmic obscenity. What is that cosmic obscenity? It is death as we know it. The separation of body and soul. Never meant to be. We were meant to remain intact, body and soul, holy, glorious, and in kind of a, we don't know how, but 
we were destined to pass on into eternal life, into heaven, but probably would have been something more like a sleep, a kind of a gentle passing through, not this horrific thing that we know as death, this ugly, horrific thing, which, of course, Christ has redeemed, but still it has its ugly and unwanted dimensions because it was never meant to be. That's why Peter Kreeft so adequately calls it a cosmic obscenity. I like that phrase, very accurate about it. But in the Virgin Mary, and especially in this feast, we see what was supposed to be for us and what will be in the end of time for those who are saved. We're going to make it to heaven. can never be assured of that. We've got to keep working and praying. When our bodies are reunited, they rise up, are reunited with our souls, we're intact again. But we have to wait for that. Virgin Mary did not. In the feast days of the Virgin Mary, we have, as always, very powerful, beautiful theological or dogmatic hymns, which we call our our chants, which are really part of our divine office. The divine office in the Eastern churches is similar to the West in that we have a lot of psalmody, a lot of the psalms in there, but we also have something that's a little different than the West. We have much, many, in fact, the bulk of the divine office in the Eastern churches is made up of this dogmatic hymnody or dogmatic themes or chants in which we basically are proclaiming almost as if we're talking to ourselves. I mean, we're directing at God, but we're talking to or reminding ourselves of the reality, the theological reality of the feast that we're celebrating, the event that we're immersing ourselves in. And we will sing and chant things like this. This is from the divine office, from the Vesper service of the Feast of Dormition, known in the West as the Assumption of the Mother of God. She is higher than the heavens, more glorious than the cherubim, more honorable than all creation. Her outstanding purity became the dwelling place of the eternal divinity. Today she places her all-pure soul into the hands of her Son. With her, the universe is filled with joy, and the grace of salvation is given to us. Now notice, it's saying something theological. It's poetic and theological, and of course it's put to a very beautiful ancient chant. And it also says and uses the word today, which you'll find a lot in Eastern prayer. Today means, and it's a very powerful, very relevant use of this word today. It means that what is happening or what we're celebrating that we think we sort of look at as happened 2,000 years ago, you know, Virgin Mary, you know, lived the time of Christ 2,000 years ago, that what we're entering into, those events, actually have a timelessness about them. It's as though they're happening today, like they're ongoing. You might know this from the Eucharist. Every time we have the sacrifice of the Eucharist, it's not a separate sacrifice where we're putting Jesus on the cross again and again. There's only one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, but with the Eucharist, we enter into that one thing over and over again. And so with that same kind of spirituality, we use in the Eastern churches the word today, meaning that this event is timeless. This event happened back then, but it's happening now. And most importantly, it becomes our event that's why we, we say very emphatically, today this is happening, today, today. In other words, this is for us today. We immerse ourselves in this event today. This is us entering with the Virgin Mary into this reality. In other words, through her, through this feast day, we are anticipating, kind of like immersing ourselves already in our own eschatology, our own ultimate destiny as human beings, bodies risen up, reunited with our souls and gloriously transfigured in heaven and take our place with the angels and saints and the mother of God in heaven at the ongoing heavenly liturgy, praising God and being one with God and with each other 
eternal bliss forever. That's how it was meant to be. That's how it will be in the future forever for those who have been saved. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>